Welcome to Cabin Minute Cast. The scenario has been chosen. The ritual has begun. We are ready to appease the old gods one minute at a time. I'm Heidi Bennett of HeidiBennett.com. And I'm Molly Balin of LittleRedmark.com. And in today's episode, we're covering minute 28 of The Cabin in the Woods. And in this minute, Dana is dared to go into the cellar. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> yeah. And Kurt is being a real dick. <laughs> dick Dickinson. Yeah. That was the first thing I really noticed about this minute was how we talked about, you know, this transition that's happening, that he's going to be the athlete, a.k.a. the jock. And he's really gone into deep stereotype mode here. He's, you know, he was drinking his beer. Now he's got his, you know, blonde girlfriend sitting sassy on his lap. And she's kind of looking at him in, in sort of a conspiratorial sort of way as he's making fun of Dana, you know, saying, oh, you're going to puss out. I know you're just going to go straight to dare. And, and I'm paraphrasing here, but basically he's just like, I know... Or I'm, I know you're just going to pick truth. And so she decides to pick dare. But he, just the body language here between him and Jules, I feel like now all of a sudden they were like friends, right? Like in the very first scene where we get Jules and Dana together, they're best gals and Jules has um, Dana's best interest in mind. And, you know, forget about that old creepy old guy you were sleeping with the you know your professor or supervisor or whatever and come on let's grab your bikini and let's go have fun and now when I look at the two of them I feel like Jules and Kurt are like sharing this space and sharing like she puts her cheek up on his kind of forehead and she's just kind of all wrapped around him and and looking at him and then looking over at Dana and and she looks like devilish. Yeah. And he looks challenging. What what did you yeah, what what do you think about this stuff going on right here? Yeah, they kind of merge as one entity here. You know? Like they're no longer individuals with their own personalities. They've just kind of wrapped up in this almost teenage PDA yicky pants thing. And it just reminds me of being like 15 and people are starting to date and there's this kind of PDA where, um, and I don't know if you experienced this, but I had a few friends where, you know, we'd go off and do something and they'd like hook up with a dude or, you know, like a, they'd be starting to <clears throat> hook up with a guy and it would just be them doing their thing with the dude. And you're like, well, then we were going to do something together. I thought this was going to be like right. a collective funsy thing. And then it just evolves. <laughs> and it's like, I don't want to see you sit on this dude's lap, you know, take it back to the RV, you know, like do your thing, <laughs> right, you know, right. peel one off. And when you're done, come back and we'll go play a game like Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. And then Marty we shoot over to Marty real quick and he's sitting in a big comfy overstuffed chair and he just gives a, a little flash of like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. You know, like as Kurt and Jules are looking at her, he gives them a little up and down once over twice little thing. And it's just so quick, but it really, it tells to me, it's saying like, 
Marty is going, what's going on here? The dynamic is, has changed. And this half a second of a look is is telling me a lot. It's so telling. You're so right. Because I think, well, ahead to a couple minutes where Marty and Dana have this like brief conversation, Marty being like, this seems really like not normal. Like they're not really behaving like they're supposed to behave. And this is that first time and it's such a, a quick shot of it. But now that we're really looking deeply at this, oh my gosh, it starts now. Like his concern begins right here. And it's super obvious, even though it's super quick. Yeah, I think it's another one of those like, oh, it's great to look at these movies one minute at a time and see how decisions are made on these little levels. And yeah, I would say the transition has completed for Jules and Kurt. And then they throw out this little challenge. And yeah, then then we get something that is our Oof, an, our next jump scare. And boy, is it a biggie. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they've challenged Dana. Dana says, okay, Jules, dare. So she's, Dana has kind of resolved herself uh, almost under like a peer pressure thing. What would you say? Like oh, a peer yeah. pressure kind of a, to, to say, okay, Jules, dare. And then bam, the cellar door <laughs> flies open over Dana's shoulder. Dana jumps up. Everybody kind of jumps up. She like leaps straight up out of her, out of the couch. And um, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty scary. And I mean, it's like such a huge direct reference to evil dead mm -hmm. right like where I, I feel like the location and without like doing a shot for shot look i just feel like in my bones i think like oh yeah this is like a you know right in the same general location in this in the cabin and and uh it flies open and everybody is scared and it looks like kind of some dust is coming out of it maybe or mm -hmm. what did you notice that? Yeah, it, it is a little dusty. Uh, and I, I think you're 100% right on the money. This is definitely an Evil Dead homage. Um, and I'm jumping slightly ahead, ahead here. But there is a exceptionally low ground shot of the open cellar door where there's just a, a slight moving in towards it. And that is a pure Raimi visual. You know, yes. that's a double whammy of Raiminess there. And kind of going back to the the jump scare that we have, this is just so masterfully set up. If I really break this down into the granular and that this shot where you have Dana slightly to the left in, you know, framed in the shot. And then you've got the cellar door in the, the background on the right. And when that snaps, it's happening behind her. What I find to be very masterful here, even in terms of acting, and this would be something that, you know, if I could, you know, talk to, to Joss about, I know this is a very minor thing, but I would like to know, is how to prepare an actor for something like this in an authentic way. Because of all the reactions a actor can have, this one you really have to sell and they, as a person, know it's coming. They know it's going to snap right. open. So, and you know, this has probably taken a few takes. So how do you, you yourself as an actor prepare for that? And also to prepare an actor to have an authentic reaction of something snapping loud behind them. So they have to get the element of surprise for themselves, yet still get an element of surprise there, despite 
repetitive desensitization to the sound. Right. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, um, so since I've been watching or listening to rather, <laughs> I've been listening to Godfather Minute. And so I decided to watch The Godfather and I realized, you know, I know I've seen this movie before and then it has all these iconic scenes that have been played out in other places and, you know, leave the guns, take the cannoli and all that <laughs> stuff. And uh, we got to the horse head scene and my husband said, you know, they surprised the actor that that's in the bed, you know, where he pulls back the sheet and there's a horse head in there and that they used a real horse mm. head. <laughs> so they like, they went to a, um, you know, a, this was back in the seventies and uh, they went to a, uh, a dog food uh, manufacturer and got a horse head from there. And so it's really quite grisly, but I guess it was also scared the living crap out of him because he pulls it back and there's a real horse, bloody horse head in that bed. And it's pretty gnarly. And I know there's other examples. I can't quite think of them up the top of my head. This is something maybe the Gabin in the Woods gang or the Twitter gang can get on. But those, those, um, scenes in movies where they, you know, didn't tell, didn't tell them about something. And so that's why they got, you know, a big reaction. Well, I actually have one on the top of my head and it's not a, a fear reaction necessarily, but this is from the movie Far and Away. And it was uh, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. I believe they had been married pretty shortly, just gotten married right before they had started filming that. And there's a scene where Tom Cruise has a cup over his junk and she's supposed to, you know, slowly pull the, the cup up to see what's underneath. Well, I think initially they had like a loincloth or something underneath. And then they decided just not. And he just had nothing under there. So her reaction is like, oh, that's <laughs> that's your stuff. That's your junk. So. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. And I know certainly there are films, too, where somebody does something like uh I think smash something with their hand and end up, you know, breaking their wrist or something like that. And, you know, you end up move, using it because it's such a good scene. But yeah, that's not quite exactly what we're talking about here, because <laughs> obviously we know that it's no surprise that this thing's going to open. They all know that's the next part. We're not doing improv mm. here. Yes. I And I know this is kind of small, but I thought it was kind of interesting that, you know, when the door snaps open and these guys get up. There's a shot of them getting up to look what's up. Um, Holden and Kurt are the last two to stand up. Everybody else is on their hmm. feet looking like what's happened. And they're, they're the last two to like slowly get up and check it out. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. And then it looks like Kurt like does what Jules did before where he just leaps over the couch. Mm-hmm think we just kind of get the tail end of that so i guess that's something uh, some people do <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't ever think of leaping over a couch or a chair oh my god maybe <laughs> i do remember you know now that i think about it i do remember doing that when i was younger you know like maybe the parents aren't around so you're kind of using the furniture as more of like a jungle gym you know, or you're just kind of leaping and bouncing. And I remember dancing to Prince at a certain point with my friend Penny and her, her, we were at her parents' house. So the parents weren't around. We were like dancing around and probably in, in our underwear, just like hearkening back to the introduction to, <laughs> to Dana. 
and we had prints blaring and and I remember us doing a lot of dancing on the furniture and bouncing around on the furniture so I guess I did used to do that but now that I've purchased the furniture myself and it's mostly (laughs) vintage furniture I don't really want to do that anymore yeah I think of just myself and I'm not I am not a a being that possesses much grace and (laughs) you know when I was a kid yeah I would want to you know jump on the the furniture but you know now you know I'm 5'3 man like I you know I've got enough problems just like clearing normal stairs you know like I before I got on here I had a half mug full of coffee that I managed to just completely knock over and like fuck up my couch my carpet and nearly my laptop so like I don't think I'm capable of doing any type of hurdling over (laughs) over any type of furniture at this point (laughs) well I guess this is a bit more of the kind of the jock thing right to just leap over the couch it's kind of got a bit of a jock vibe Mm -hmm. to it yeah it's an an right it's an unnecessary physical move (laughs) yeah and then everybody's peering in to this like you said we get a couple of little ramey ramey-esque shots Mm -hmm. And then we get what I always think of as like almost like these hero shots. Mm. Maybe you have a better name for them where everybody's on screen and you can kind of see the whole gang. Like a couple people are a little bit further in the background, but you get everybody. Everyone's in view and the cameras. Like I think of, you know, speaking of Thor, like I think of the all the superhero movies where there's those shots where everybody, everybody's... um you know, in view and you're about to see everybody's special skills, you know, maybe in a Marvel movie, in a Joss Whedon directed Marvel (laughs) movie, the camera's swirling around everyone, like in the middle of New York or wherever they're supposed to be, uh, you know, but, but in this, uh, this, we're just getting this like upshot of the whole gang looking into this, um, they call it the cellar door, and I think of it as a basement. I think a s- cellar is more evocative mm-hmm. of horror tropes and sounds a little spookier when I hear cellar door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and in this particular shot, I, I, you're right, I, this is another Raimi shot where it's shot from the perspective of the cellar door, so it's tilted upward. Um, so you have that sense that, you know, it's somebody who's low on the ground looking up at them. So there's a, a shorthand, if you will, of almost like a, a low, low riding creature looking up, but you're right. There is that hero sense of it too, because everybody's in the shot. Yeah. And then Jules kind of gives this little sly sheepish, sheepish look to Dana and suggests that she dares to go in. Did I miss? Dana says it's the cellar door and then Kurt says the wind must have blown it open and Marty says and that makes what kind of sense (laughs) which is so true like there's no reason and to me that's what makes it extra extra like the evil dead Mm -hmm. like just the fact that it just flies open when there's really no no scientific or natural reason that it would do so. So to me, that keeps in line with Marty questioning. He's questioning 
his reality right mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that there's still it. It's still a moment of doubt. You know, this and this kind of goes back to like the gut feelings we were talking about in a previous minute of this doesn't seem right. It's illogical. It's the wind because you're inside, even with a drafty old cabin. Um, So that doesn't make sense. And the way that it's snapped open with a big forceful push also seems highly unnatural. But we're still in that doubtful phase where, well, I guess it's, you know, maybe eh, maybe there's a natural reason for it. You know, it's like, you know, maybe maybe this, maybe that. And so Marty still is in that space of not, yes, we know from future times that this is a, a, a future forward foreboding. Yes, this is a bad omen type thing, but we don't know that quite yet within the story. And it still just looks like, well, he's kind of high and he's not, you know, he, it could be something else. So I, I feel like we're still in that, we're, we're easing out a doubt phase. And, you know, we're also talking about, you know, this being we're getting to the end of act one, right? This is, this is when the reality actually shifts out because we're in minute 28. So traditionally an end of a first act is, is minute 30. So um, we're, we're literally at the very, very tail end and her descending the stairs really does mark the end of the first act. We've set everything up. We've made the shifts. We're now going into, you know, the heart of the story, literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Harbinger was their first real like hurdle or obvious thing to option to turn around spot was when we got the Harbinger. And then this flying open is a is a second option. They they could have said, fuck that. Let's just close (laughs) it back up and put a chair on top of it or something like, you know, the option is here. So this is their second, I guess their second choice mm-hmm. to ignore. And and so I do find it interesting that their second choice leads to a creepy walking down into and succumbing to whatever the next experience is. And it's kind of kind of doubled down because Dana chose Dare. So I feel like Dana kind of feels like, well, I feel like I should follow through here on this dare. Mm-hmm. So here I go. Right. And there's some beautiful lighting here, I think, as she she has those little kind of ballet slippers. Mm-hmm. I think you were mentioning off mic, they're kind of similar to what Jules is wearing. Like these sort of, they're fairly appropriate for what, you know, a weekend away. Because they could almost be like house house shoes. Mm-hmm. You know, but you can slip them on pretty easily, but they're not like, you know, silly high heels and they're not flip flops. So you can move around in them fairly easily. They they do make a nice. I think it's interesting that we see Jules in that previous minute walking in similar kind of shoes. And now we're getting this other walk, but it's down, down, down. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a very interesting thing is to put them in the same type of shoe. And I felt that there was a a connectivity there because they also did the same shot. So it wasn't like we, we've casually observed the same shoes because somebody had their feet up on the couch and then you had, you know, uh, a specific shot of, of shoes. And so we're making that connection. We're not, we're actually making a direct visual connection because not only is it the same shoes, but they did virtually the same shot and that it's, it's feet, mm-hmm. it's feet only. Mm-hmm. And they're both going through a similar descent. So Jules at the time was approaching the wolf 
in, you know, in inhabiting that, you know, the quote unquote whore archetype, I'm going to seduce the beast. And here we have Dana who is being ultimately will be punished for curiosity because she's been given the warning. Here it is. It's the, the deep, dark, dank basement. I've gotten the, the peer pressure to go down. I've been dared to go check it out. But I also think it's the, the curiosity of what's down there. I'm going to take it on and I'm going to go down there alone. And so I feel like the feminine is being punished here for not only sexuality, but curiosity, the pursuit of knowledge, forbidden knowledge going into the underworld. Yeah, I like that. I like what you're saying there. I think visually, once she steps down and she, you know, smartly has brought a flashlight, mm -hmm. that her being at the bottom of the stairs and the way they're lit reminds me of that very iconic image and poster from um, The Exorcist. Mm. The way it's very lightly lit, but the, the stairs, you know, the stairs are lit and there's a figure at the bottom of the stairs. It just sort of reminds me of it, you know, just a little evocative of that. And then even, and we'll see this uh, better in future minutes, but um, I'm looking here just at the tail end, just at the very tail end of, of minute 28, and I'm seeing the flashlight turned on, some light coming from upstairs, which makes total sense, you know, down on, onto the stairs and hitting, you know, something that's next to the stairs. And then a little bit of what we're going to see some more of later on, which is light from the, through the slats mm -hmm. upstairs, the slats of the, the, the kitchen or, you know, kind of dining area that are coming through, but they're not coming through in straight lines because there appears to be some sort of like netting that's on the ceiling of the basement mm -hmm. or cellar. And it just, it creates even more movement and creepiness factor, I think, because they're not straight lines or like almost make it more womb-like yes. to me. Yeah. Yeah. I had that sense too, that it's... Or like a spider yeah. web. Right. Right. Yeah. The fabric on the ceiling is is eerie with the light coming through it because it gives it a sense of care. Somebody cared to do that. It's not a storage unit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one thing I noticed, too, just going back to the beginning of this minute, just to look, is that this minute starts with all this natural kind of fireplace glow on everyone's faces. And there's a lot of yellow and sort of golden tan skin and rosy cheeks and of course the blonde hair and all that stuff all everybody's just very warmly colorfully lit and then we end on this like almost a black and white mm -hmm. image yeah the light's very limited here you just have the highlights on the stairs and then the sound of the cre the creaky old wood and old creaky wood has a a sensation that kind of hits you in the chest because we know that sound. We've been hearing that sound since we were kids, you know, that's like on horror soundtracks. People play outside of their homes, you know, when you go trick-or-treating. It's that, you know, totally. traditional, archetypical, haunted house sound. Slow footprints, you know? 
even we have that association with the ghosts. Some it, ghost stories, you're hanging out in the house, it's an old house, you hear the creaky footsteps upstairs. So it, there's a barrage of reminiscences that come out of this, reminders that come out of just this this little bitty bitty bit here. Yeah, and I think it's interesting too, like seeing her at the bottom of the stairs here, is that if we were to look at just this isolated moment of just her with a limited light, she could just as easily be getting ready to go upstairs into a mm-hmm. an attic. Yeah. And that it, it could be evocative of that, too. And there's definitely now when I think of the downstairs basement, and I'm sure there's a ton of, of horror movies that have this, you know, besides this one and besides, you know, Evil Dead and other stuff that kind of come to mind quickly is that. One of my handshake horror horror fives was Return of the Living Dead. And in that film, there is a very, um, that's a big part of one big scene. They actually return to the basement a couple of times in that movie. But there's a specific scene where there's a girl and the basement and, um, a, you know, a zombie creature down there and uh, her running up and down the stairs. So this this reminds me of that. But there, then there's certainly also movies, I think of older movies from the 70s and 60s that are more like classic suspense horror films that I really like. And I'm totally blanking on names right now. Um, which is fine <laughs> to everybody, but those where where there's something going on in the the mm. attic, and I I mean that that trope has gone on into the you know 80s and 90s and and beyond as well. But I think of it as something kind of as a vintage spooky ghost story, kind of scary sort of trope too. So I think we're visiting a lot of different tropes just in these last couple seconds of this one minute, like you said too. And we're just we're just finishing up our first act and we're just about to creep into the next one right mm-hmm. down these stairs. So Yeah. Yeah. And then um so D- Dana has been dared. She has her little worried face and she kind of starts creaking down this those stairs and she asks to to the friends you know how long do i have to stay down here and kurt says oh you know just (laughs) until morning and then we're we're out is there anything else about minute 28 that that you'd like to discuss well i think just piggybacking on something that you started out this minute with uh, kurt being a dick and he begins the minute being a dick and he ends the minute being a dick yeah he doesn't sound like somebody reminds me of i had a cousin who i'd played board games with and, you know, the kind of person I would play truth or dare, you know, different games with when I was a kid. And he's the kind of person that after a while, you just go, I don't want to play with you because you kind of play dirty or you, you seem like mean spirited and it's just not, it's not fun. It doesn't feel like it does. I don't feel safe with you. (laughs) And that's kind of how Kurt seems like he, he just, yeah, he just seems like he's mm-hmm. dickish now, and that, that's a bummer. It is a bummer, and I don't know why it bothers it bothers me more now than it did the first few times I watched this movie. And maybe it's just because it's movies by minute. And I'm really looking at it closely, but I'm actually kind of pissed off about it, to be honest with you. I'm just disappointed, and I and there's another part of his behavior in the next minute we'll talk about where I'm just like, dude. I mean, really. Yeah, I I just am really upset by him 
being this crappy to her, you know, because you're right. It's totally mean spirited. And I think there's a certain point where, you know, you can do these types of like, I'm, I'm kind of ribbing you, you know, cause I like to, I like to give people mm-hmm. shit. I really do. When I play games, I talk a lot of shit and I enjoy shit talking, but I also think that I know that there's a point where it's in good fun and I know where the point is where you you can poke people a little bit, but you don't want to leave their asses out in the wind. You don't want to be, there's a point where you're being mean, you know? And so I think that people can, you know, give and get, but this is, this is just him being mean. You're already, you made it down there. She made it down there. Like, stop already. We're good, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. And I feel like certain friends, you know, you you have a little more leeway with certain friends or certain dynamics, you know, certainly playing board games with friends and stuff. There are certain games where there's strategy involved and kind of, you know, fucking them over and, you know, like doing stuff where, you know, it's just part of the game, but there's a certain sense of playfulness that's going along with it that you just feel and it's totally fine. And, and you'd hope that with a good friend too, if you overstepped your boundaries, that they'd say like, Hey, that's, taken a, a bridge too far and you know that a good friend would know to and be respectful and lean lay back off you know but yeah he he seems as i know we've only known kurt for about 28 <laughs> minutes or so or 26 or whatever but it does seem like uh he was a good buddy before and now is is not being such yeah. a good buddy so yeah i agree with you well should we wrap up minute 28 perhaps let's do it let's do it cool well um yeah i'm really getting excited about what's going on you know coming up ahead so i think i'll just keep this nice and short and just remind everybody you can find us at cabinminutecast.com and when you go there you can you know, you can find out where to subscribe in case you just are just starting to join us and you found us through, um, you know, a recommendation or something like that. We've got 27 minutes in the past and a, a little preview episode zero you can listen to if you want to hear our our uh, our hashtag five. What is it? <laughs> Easy for me to say, right? <laughs> Um, our our handshake horror, horror five. five. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, that's a lot of H's. <laughs> a lot of H's, yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, a little shout out to the Roughneck Minute. They also did a handshake horror five on their podcast. So they they took our idea and gave us a little shout out and they they talked about their special Halloween episode. They talked about their handshake horror five. So that was cool. So um yeah, but just go go ahead and check out Cabin Minute Cast if you want. And then um I wanna give a little shout out and thanks to to Brian, he's been having fun making gifts for us for 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 a lot of our episodes. So when you see those those gifts gifts those gift <laughs> gifts, those are a gift from him. They are that's gift been, gifts. That's been, yeah, they are very. They are a gift. Those gifts. Yeah, I have to say, I I didn't know. I mean, I saw it when it got posted and then because um, we, we tag team the technology here. When I checked it out recently and saw that the 
the testy, the testy pelt, <laughs> the testy right. slash talon pelt had been posted up. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe he found it. That's amazing. And then found out later he actually built it. So yeah. Um, yeah. So thank you to Brian for um, hooking us up. It was a very, it's a kindness. So Brian's got, Brian's got other shit on his plate. He's a, uh, he's a busy dude and he's help, he's helping us out. He's hooking us up. So thank you, Brian. So on that note, thank you guys for coming back around and tuning into episode 28. And we will see you back at the cabin. Mm-hmm.